0: Welcome to God's Acre on the Go, a worship podcast of the Congregational Church of New Canaan in New Canaan, Connecticut. To learn about the life of our church, our in person ministries, and the virtual connections and offerings available, please visit us at www.godsacre.org. Now, wherever you are, wherever you are going, we welcome you to worship.
1: Church family. This is the day the Lord has made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. Welcome to God's Acre on the Go. Wherever you are, wherever you're traveling, we're glad to have you tuning in on this Pentecost Sunday. Uh, This is the Sunday when we remember the birth of the church as it's recorded in the second chapter of Acts. This is also a communion Sunday, and you know our call to communion is to come as you are. So in that spirit, uh, we're going to listen again to our own Ellie Parkhill sing for us, come as you are. So prepare your hearts and minds for the word and for worship. from more So we are looking at the Pentecost scripture uh, in the second chapter of the book of Acts. The story of the birth, the inception of Jesus' church Uh, went in a day from about 120 followers to 3,000. So uh, this is how it reads, chapter 2, verse 1, the book of Acts. When the day of Pentecost had come, and they were all together in one place. And at the sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one of them heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene. And visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, in our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others sneered and said, Ah, they're filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them, saying, Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you. And listen to what I say. And I will show portents in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. The word of God for the people of God. So I know, uh, spoken to enough people over time, that, Many folks like to believe that God has a plan. When life is a mess, the hope is that God has a design to turn the ruins of our existence into, well, some new and wondrous chapter of life. More specifically, that hopeful belief is that God has a plan for me, you know, kind of an individualized itinerary for life. It's as if there is some uh, manila folder the Almighty keeps for each and every one of us in a heavenly file cabinet or uploaded to some divine cloud. My file would be entitled, for instance, Stephen Chapin Garner, and yours would have your name on it. My plan would be in there, and it would indicate that there is meaning in even the most disappointing experiences of my life, which uh, it means must explain why I had to repeat second grade. And why I got cut from the basketball team in high school. And why my dad had to die at age 60 without being able to say goodbye. You know, the belief is that there is a a unique plan for me, for you, for everyone that will make sense, if not of this whole crazy world, at least of our rather confused and confusing lives. Okay, but, but it's important to note that that is not a particularly Jewish mindset. In fact it doesn't line up all that well with anything Jesus believed or preached for Jews of Jesus's day and and for every age frankly salvation blessings curses plans were communal experiences see god was primarily focused on gathering and sustaining an entire people a, a global family not individual people i mean it's it's true that the god of the bible is focused more on community than on an, the individual god of the hebrews didn't develop individual life plans for folks however god certainly recruited and recruits individuals to exist, assist with god's plan you know the idea of god having an individualized life plan for each and every one of us is actually a fairly recent american protestant construct kind of the privatization and personalization of faith if you will god's plans though are so much bigger They're just so much bigger than any individual. In fact, God's plans for us, uh, God's plan for us is for us to get to work on God's plan for the world. Now, for those of you who've been really hoping for an individualized plan that makes sense of the mess you're in, fret not. I want you to remember what the Apostle Paul actually preached to the Romans. This, I think, is helpful. He said, We know that all things work together for good. All things work together for good. That means the good and the bad of life. They work together for good for those, and this is key, who love God and who are called according to God's purpose or plan. That means God has a purpose, has a plan. And, and if you get on board with what God's trying to do, what Paul is saying here is that life can be really good and pleasing. Even, even moments of challenge can turn into opportunities for blessing. Now, the Pentecost event that we read about was a powerful and memorable expression of what God was and is trying to do in our world. According to this story, there were Jews from all over the known world living in Jerusalem. And, and, and they, probably, they probably shared some common language. It might have been Greek or Hebrew. But on the day in question, they heard the gospel in their own native language. I don't know this firsthand, but through others who are multilingual, I know that when you hear in your primary language, you hear in your first language, communication is more easily intelligible. So this Pentecost event did two things. First, a diverse group of people were able to hear and understand one another. The Holy Spirit of God facilitated understanding, and that's key. And the second thing, people came together. Jews, Arabs, Egyptians, Mesopotamians all came together, and they understood each other. And, And I think that is key. Understanding, more so than agreement. Understanding has a way of facilitating togetherness. So on Pentecost, for any of the Jews in attendance who had forgotten, God's plan was revealed once again. God's plan for the family to come together and for the family to grow beyond understood boundaries and barriers. So kind of swept up in this unexpected spirit of unity, the Jews on Pentecost asked, what does this mean? It's right there in the text. They said, what does this mean? And Peter answered, well, this is the plan. He said in his own way, this is what was spoken of back in the time of the prophet Joel. This plan is about the Spirit of God bringing people together. Peter said later in the same chapter that this all happened, and this is the language used, according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. You know, uh, Peter would further explain in the next chapter uh, that this is the beginning of the time of universal restoration that God announced long ago through his holy prophets. The Apostle Paul, the great evangelist of our faith, spoke of the plan this way. He said, there is no longer Jew or Greek. There is no longer slave or free. There is no longer male and female, for all of you are one in Christ Jesus. See, God's Spirit is a spirit of radical unity, not division. And the plan is for you, for me, for everyone in the world to catch or be caught up in that spirit. And as people of faith who are privy to the plan, We're supposed to be early adopters. See, and this is important, God doesn't care all that much about our political opinions. God isn't all that interested in our organizational affiliations. God isn't all that concerned with how we identify ourselves. God doesn't make much of a fuss over our personal histories of success or failure. I I can point to chapter and verse to corroborate any of those assertions. However, and this is throughout the Bible, God is primarily interested in bringing people together. God is interested in unity, in fellowship, in restoration of relationship. So that that means if we're in the habit of demonizing or merely dismissing people who disagree with us, if we decide that someone or some group of people are not of particular interest or value to us, if we're quick to cut people off or cut people out or cut people down because we don't like how they think or how they act or what they believe, that's going against the will and spirit of God. You know, the key to the Pentecost in gathering, that that miracle of togetherness, was the ability of a diverse group of people to understand one another and to be understood. And that's the thing I said a moment ago. Understanding, not necessarily agreement, but understanding is what can bring people together in meaningful and authentic relationships. And and there's evidence that this can work. And I'm just going to share with you a few quick personal examples. And I'm going to start with a personal opinion. I want you to hang in there just for a moment. So I believe, for instance, that we have too many guns in our country. That's my personal belief. I suspect we don't have tight enough controls on guns. I I feel fairly strongly that there are guns of a power on the market that no one should ever need or have. When I think back to Columbine and Sandy Hook more recently in Buffalo and Texas, I can't understand... Personally, I just can't understand how we haven't done something to limit the use and abuse of guns in our violent culture. However, I've never fired a gun. I've never hunted. I'm pretty sure that I would become a vegetarian if I had to kill my own food. Now, as a pastor, I know that there's those of you who grew up with guns. You, you want the rights of gun owners to be protected. And, and frankly, you don't want to be vilified by those of us who didn't grow up like you did. And let me tell you, the thoughtful conversations that I've had with people in our church who have a different experience of guns than I do, those, those have been some of the most interesting and informative conversations I've had in recent years. I'm, I'm not sure positions have shifted all that much, but there's greater understanding. And I believe, I believe there's mutual respect and care. And that, that is a radical proposition today. When people with different and strongly held beliefs can be in relationship with each other. that That's revelatory. And I think it's a potential antidote to the animus that can lead to more violence in our culture. Here, here's another example. You may remember I went to a very uh, religiously conservative and evangelical seminary for my doctoral work. Of the 24 men, men in my program, uh, I, I was the only one from what is considered a liberal church context. And I'll tell you, during my time there, there were things that were said in my hearing and beliefs that were shared that I didn't know anyone held anymore. I still remember when the professor, uh, the professor I went to study with started a class one day by saying, Islam is of the devil and will be defeated. I remember thinking to myself, did I just hear that? Three years I spent in that program. I vigorously shared my beliefs with those guys. They did the same with me. I was pretty confident at the time that the other 23 men in our program probably thought I was likely going to hell for my perspectives on faith. But you know what? Over time we became friends. We prayed with and for each other. We shared our lives together. We didn't exactly convert each other, but but we sure as heck learned to care for one another. And I'll tell you, that is a big deal in today's world. Uh, a final example. in. The church that I served right before this one, um, there was, about a decade before I arrived, this awful church-splitting leadership crisis. The fastest growing UCC church in Massachusetts lost half its membership almost overnight. People gossiped all over town, people who held differing opinions avoided each other if they saw one another in the grocery store. It It was church at its worst, divided and divisive. But when I arrived, There was a cohort of people still in that church who disagreed with one another passionately, but who had covenanted, had promised each other that no matter how the leadership crisis was resolved, in whomever's favor, those folks committed to staying in relationship. They refused to be separated. They refused to be separated from one another by a difference of opinion. Those folks decided to prioritize relationship over position. Those were the stories that allowed new life and new hope to sweep back into that church, allowing it to once again become one of the most dynamic churches in the state. Now, I know as well as you do that we live in an age and a culture where expressing our opinions and arguing our positions seem to be of paramount importance. In person and online, we're willing to tenaciously advocate for that which interests and concerns us. And I I know... I know that there are critically important issues that need to be addressed in our country. However, however, as Christians, as followers of Jesus, as those who know God's plan and who have been invited by the Lord to be facilitators of that plan, we're supposed to be the ones working toward understanding, toward unity, toward oneness. You know, today in our environment, being willing to set aside our personal frustrations and angst to be in thoughtful and uh, attentive relationship with others, I mean, that, that's, that's an even more revelatory act than fighting tooth and nail for whatever personal passions get us most riled up. Who would have thought that peaceable relationships between people who hold different views would be such a radical and prophetic act? But it is, and it is the uniquely Christian way powerfully expressed on the day of Pentecost. The Church of Jesus Christ, born, born out of an experience of radical togetherness being able to understand one another, being able to appreciate each other, choosing to come together even when we disagree. That's the plan. It is God's plan. And the Lord would really like it to be our plan. Let's pray. Lord God, um, there's a lot of division and divisiveness in our world, in our lives, in our families. And for that to change, there has to be people willing to do what you ask of us, to listen, to be attentive, to come together, to care, to love enemies, to pray for those who are hurtful to us, to to change the dynamic so that the world changes. Lord God, help us to be unifiers, to speak in ways that are understandable, and to listen to others so that we understand them. Help us as Christians to set that example. To follow your plan in jesus name we pray amen so church family as you go out into this week may the lord bless you and keep you may the lord's face shine upon you and be gracious to you may the lord look upon you with kindness and give you peace now and forevermore amen
0: thank you for joining us for worship on the go to support this podcast and the ministries of our church please consider making a contribution by clicking the Give button in the top right on our website, www.GodsAcre.org, or within today's email. God bless you, and have a wonderful week.